Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. So before we actually do it, to start talking, make sure people see us because it says media is now live. So we are live. Welcome, Michael Bird to LinkedIn. Let's go live with Jack Kelly. How are you today? I'm well, Jack. Thanks for having me on. It's such a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. So, hey, how about you introduce to the audience who you are, what you do, you know, all that kind of good stuff so people get a sense of what you're all about. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. So my name is Mike Bird. I am a career coach based in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I work uh, with predominantly students or people who have just started out in their careers who are trying to establish themselves or make that transition from school to the working world. I get a chance to speak to some really cool people, people like you, Jack, through a podcast that I co-host called the Career Builders Podcast. Um, and so between what I do working out of a, a school that trains students in IT and in my own private business, I get to help a lot of people try and find jobs. Yeah, that's great. And full disclosure, I'm very selfish because I have two, <laughs> I have two kids in college, one who might be graduating this spring or summer. So I have a vested interest in having Mike on here. And I'd imagine any parent who has kids in college who are watching this now, or I'll encourage you to watch later, because let's be honest, that's what you want to know. You know, you just dropped, what, 20, 30, 40,000, 50,000 a year for the last four years or so. You want to make sure your kid gets a job out of there. So, so no pressure on Mike to give all the advice that they can make this tuition pay off in the long run. So, so this is going to be... You know, I think for people who are young, just starting out their career, you know, maybe they graduated a couple of years ago for people who are in college now. And, and yeah, for parents who are like, what the heck is going on? How does this work? It's a terrible job market for a lot of people. How yeah. do we navigate it? So, mm -hmm. so, so not to put too much pressure on you, Mike, but like if you're, what do you say for kids who are, let's say seniors mm -hmm. and they're starting to think, all right, what do I do? What's my next move? What kind of advice do you give to that? Yeah, and I think it will, it will really depend kind of on what kind of industry vertical uh, the person would like to pursue mm -hmm. because it's been a very sort of asymmetrical experience depending on, on what market you're in. I work a lot, for example, in IT, in the IT market in Canada, and probably in the US too, has kind of rebounded to a pretty large extent. It's a lot of people have been able to continue in virtual capacities, and so they're are a lot of opportunities. If you're someone like a web developer, you do network security stuff, you take care of, of uh, information security. But if you're someone who is in trying to pursue an industry that has been really, and is still really kind of dampered like uh, travel or hospitality, it's probably going to be a little while before we see a full recovery there. And for someone who's in that situation, it's more about how do we sort of set the ground for uh, having connections that that lead us to an opportunity when they do arise. Because I'm pretty confident that we will get back to a day when people go on vacation or people travel to conferences or people stay in hotels. I think we yeah. will get back to that. But until then, let's start building a network in that space so that we are a top of mind candidate when people are hiring again. So it really breaks down into kind of different buckets. If, let's say you're in the STEM area, technology, math, science, engineering, um, 
you might have a better chance getting out because that's more in demand to bounce back. Mm -hmm. Other sectors, mm -hmm. uh, not so much. So let's talk about the people who are in, in the areas that may be lukewarm or not so great. Yeah. Like what, what do, you, um, do they rely on the schools to give, you know, used to be when you could do in person, you know, companies would come to the schools and you, mm -hmm. you, you know, meet people like what, how does this work now? Yeah, great question. And you're right, the the lack of sort of the on-site job fair disappearing. Yeah. Some places have uh, replaced that with a virtual version. So it's sort of mm -hmm. a live event and employers can come in from one side and students come in from another into these virtual spaces and both sides get to know one another. So if you have access to something like that or you could propose something like that, if you're at a, at a school right now, it's like, could we could we push to get something like that and create some exposure? Uh, otherwise, it's a lot of... Uh, we get at our school, we will get inquiries from employers that would like to speak to our students or see some CVs. And my job at that point is to really try and broker um, a connection, a chance for our students to be looked at and interviewed. So making sure that you've taken care of, if you're working with someone in your school or some sort of placement advisor, that you've equipped them with the documents that they need. So a great CV, uh, anything that would support your candidature for the people who might be inquiring through the school to get to you. If you haven't equipped the school to help you, they can't really help you at all. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, over the last bunch of years, every summer I would bring in interns, paid interns. I stress paid because a lot of companies don't. I, fi I find that so morally offensive when you have a big company and then yeah. you get people coming in and yeah, you're giving them some experience, but you just kind of take advantage, but it's another topic. So what really surprised me is the lack of training that they give at these schools. What would happen is this, and this is pre-COVID. So mm -hmm. you'd have someone come to the office and you'd, I, I, I'd feel for them because they can't kind of look you in the eyes and shake hands. They can't articulate what they're looking to do with their career. They can't articulate what skills they have that could get them to that next level. And it really surprises me because a lot of these kids who go to really good schools pay a lot of tuition, mm -hmm. you would think that they would get some training on how, just the basics of interviewing, shaking hands, making small talk, you know, having an elevator pitch. I mean, do you notice that? Is that, is in my experience maybe uncommon or, or is, do you notice this across the board? It's definitely possible. Um, the, the school that I work at, we actually have a course that addresses a lot of those issues. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, uh, and while I really am a big fan of, of students getting that kind of an education in the greater context of what they're studying, uh, it takes some practice, right? Like you're just because you know, in theory, how to shake someone's hand or right. to respond directly to a question doesn't mean you can do it when you're feeling pressured or under the gun in maybe your first job interview that's yeah. that's for something really serious. So, and with COVID, obviously it's been tough to just socialize in person with people. Um, so I think the more that we can actually to kind of replace that, the more time that you can spend on the call, kind of like what we're having right now, just being around people and socializing virtually, just developing your comfort level uh, for the interview that will eventually probably happen through a screen. That's one way of kind of addressing that. Are there any sites that cater to either the people who are graduating or, or you know, seniors, juniors, and or who just graduated, been out for a while and can't find a job mm -hmm. that could do that? Like not only give job postings, but offer this help. Does that exist? 
I haven't seen a lot of that yet. I have seen um, the rise of websites. I've heard of one called, I believe it's theforge.com. I might have to double check its uh, domain. It might be theforge.au, but I believe it's a company based in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. And basically they are helping to create virtual internships. So they're sort of helping to, to broker uh, between students who are looking for something and companies that want to offer something and want to get their name out there. So there are, there are sites like that. And I also think from just a, handshake, I think that's one too, right? Yeah. That actually, that does ring a bell. So look for more of those. Cause I think that, you know, the pandemic has created a little bit of a need for that kind of connection and, and weak rooter, right? Like the work that you do, I'll, I'll plug for you a little bit here, but like the, <laughs> it's given rise to these ways of people yeah. getting in front of people for more opportunities. Because I think, you know, it seems like it's a void there. You know, I think where they have it, it seems like a lot of places maybe just do lip service to it. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. they'll give you some of the basics, but maybe not really drill. Because I think what you said is very relevant in that, all right, you're in a pandemic, you're isolated, you're at home, you lose a little bit of those social skills. So then when you actually start talking to people, even if you're very extroverted, it kind of gets weird because mm-hmm. you're out of that rhythm. Um, and to practice for an interview, you can't just do it once and, you know, or have a teacher say, okay, here's what you do and you're done. And as you pointed out, something got to keep practicing, going over and over and over again. And this is not just for young people, this is for any age. I can't tell you how many people who are in their forties and fifties who, yeah, I need to do it as well, where mm-hmm. they feel, oh, okay, I've done it when I was younger. Now I'm out of work after you look and they, they realize, oh my God, I don't, you know, I'm so rusty. I don't know what to say, what to do. And they feel lost. Um, it's a skill for sure. A yeah. lot of people don't realize that the art of finding a job or the skill set of finding a job is exactly that. It is a set of skills. And if you don't practice those skills, then, you know, they wear out. Now you find are people actually getting jobs out of school right now or not so much? For the, for sometimes, the sometimes, sometimes there's a bit of a delay. Um, and again, kind of goes back to what the industry that they're pursuing is doing. Um, if you're, you know, if you're pursuing something that's in, uh, a domain where there's a lot of big companies and they're recruiting large groups of interns on a regular basis, then as long as that schedule hasn't dropped off, like if they're bringing in a, a June, let's say June 1st cohort of students, then yeah, you might have an opportunity to pick up where your studies ended and get started with your career right at that point. Or if you're in that transition from maybe your junior year to your senior year, the, the schedule isn't too far off, but yeah, if you're if you're leaving and there's just sort of nothing that's out there, then yeah, it's time to if you haven't already to start building relationships in companies. And the the earlier you start doing that, if you're in your junior year and you're you're two years away from graduation or you're a year and a half now, go go ahead and start introducing yourself because what I have found is that a lot of employers are really open to speaking with students because they can a lot of them can empathize with how difficult it is right now to come out of school. It's interesting. I like what you say. For, the, for people who didn't start and they're getting close to graduation, it's a little tougher. But if you're, you know, not there yet, mm-hmm. to start way before you need it. It's totally. interesting because my daughter is like super aggressive. So she's constantly, she's like, you know, you know, going for in trying to find an internship wherever and you know, trying to plan this all out. She's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. but kind of really forward thinking, but I don't think everyone's like that, but it does seem what you're suggesting that that's kind of what you should start doing is what getting kind of the internships, building a network 
Um, totally. I mean, can you? Is it weird to build it? Let's say you're 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 in college, right? You're you're sophomore-ish mm-hmm. or junior even. Does it make sense to start getting out there and maybe linking in with people on LinkedIn who you know? Hey, I would love to work at Disney. I would love to work at Goldman Sachs. I'd love to work whatever company and just mm-hmm. start kind of connecting with them. Or is that too soon? What what would you suggest? I don't think it's too soon. I think yeah. the approach can be, especially if you're not necessarily going to be stepping into their workforce mm-hmm. right away, is to take sort of an approach or a tone of, I'd love to just learn. Uh, I'd be curious to learn more about the work that you're doing and the company that you work for. Uh, not even saying, I mean, if you if you are at the point where it's like, I've graduated or I'm about to graduate and I really need a job, then yeah, the, you know, the urgency is a little bit different. But if you're starting out further back in the timeline, go at it from the standpoint of I'm, it sounds like what you do is really cool in your role at Disney or, or whatever company it is. Would you be open to having a 15 to 20 minute call at some point in the next several weeks to work my schedule around yours? Uh, just want to ask you a few questions. You know, it's, it's interesting. When you say that, it sounds so easy, but we both know that's not, it's awkward. Even for mm-hmm. a grown adult, it's, it's uncomfortable. Let's say for me, Let's say you're at my dream company, even as, as, as an adult, it's kind of awkward, right? To say, hey, can we talk for 15 minutes and tell me about it? I guess you just have to push through, huh? Totally, yeah. And, and you, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. Like that, that's not the first time that I've, I've said yeah. those words. Um, and being okay with the fact that not everyone is going to say yes. In fact, most, most people might say no to you or not respond or... And that's just a normal part of the process of meeting new people. It does get easier because once you've made a few connections in a place of interest uh, or a company of interest, then a lot of those connections can then turn around and connect you to more people. And that tends to have an even higher conversion rate. Mike, do you think also in in addition to the way you're doing it, um, because as a recipient of calls, as a recruiter, Mm -hmm. I'll get calls and emails all the time. Hey, I want to pick your brains. I want to talk to you, et cetera. And, and to be quite frank, sometimes it's a little bit of a put off because it's like, all right, I don't know anything about you. And how am I supposed to allocate X amount of time to someone I don't know anything about what you're doing? You know, and it just not, doesn't sound very fair to me in terms of that equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you suggest, because I could just tell you from my as a recruiter, right? But if someone gets in touch with me and said, and I specialize in compliance, legal risk, audit, anti-money laundering on, on Wall Street with investment banks and brokers, hedge funds. So if someone would send a message, a text, an email, a call and say, hey, you know, I'm Mike Bird. I work at Morgan Stanley. I've been there for 10 years in the control room doing such and such. I have a JD degree and I'm looking to pivot to go to a hedge fund. Then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm much more likely to say, sure, send a resume, let's talk because if I have a job now, that's great. But if I don't, at least I get a sense, all right, you and I are in the same wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that it, it benefits both of our times to have that conversation. Because otherwise, I would say, hey, Mike, thanks, but I don't do that kind of work. So I can't help yeah. you. Maybe I could direct you somewhere. So if you're, let's say, that junior, senior, do you think it would, be, it would make sense to almost kind of draw out a map? Okay, here's like 10 companies I'd love to work for. Let's take my daughter, for example. She's interested in film, but also kind of educational purposes. Like her Mm -hmm. dream job would be working for Sesame Street and do kind of, you know, stuff for them. 
So mm-hmm. would you suggest in that case, you go to Sesame Street, find the people who are there who you want to work for, and then you can do a specifically tailored LinkedIn request saying, hey, my bird, um, head of filming at Sesame Street, my dream goal is to work there and do this, that, the other thing, here's what I've done, can we talk? So then the person who gets that message feels, okay, she's not putting too much of a burden on me because she seems very specific in what she wants and very mm-hmm. genuine. Okay, let's talk. Did you think absolutely. that way? Would- yeah, absolutely. And the more personalized you are in yeah. your approach, the better, right? If you kind of just look at how, how people in sales operate, the, the time that they put in to personalizing their outreach, tend, those tend to be the leads that end up converting yeah. later on uh, down the line. So like if you spend that time sort of getting to know the person and coming out as having done some of that research, then that person is probably going to notice the fact that, oh, like you're actually not just, you know, copy pasting the same template exactly. to a hundred people. You don't want to be that kind of person, exactly. but yeah, take your time, actually get to know, do a little bit of research on the person. I like to say like, if, if you actually genuinely want to be around this person and you, you want to just meet them and be curious about who they are as a person, not just what they do in their job, you're going to have a lot more success connecting in a really authentic way because you're actually caring about the person. I think that's, that's kind of the secret to success there. I I, you know, it's interesting. I'm, st- I'm still, I'm on the fence with that. Maybe because you can okay. are much nicer than us Americans here. So like, if someone's just like, Hey Jack, I just want to get to know you. I'm like, I don't know. Why, what do you want to get to know me? I'm a terrible person. There's not much to know about. <laughs> so, I mean, I can help you with a job. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I hear what you're saying. Like, but does it's, that work? I mean, to say maybe, maybe it's just I'm a curmudgeon. Does that work where you could say, hey, I want to get to know you. Let's talk. And people are like, oh, sure. Or, so I wouldn't lead out with that kind yeah. of more personalized, okay. uh, like, let's be friends kind of thing. That's not, yeah. the, that's not really what I'm suggesting. But yeah. in your mind, if you can actually imagine yourself uh, liking this person, possibly helping this person, because you want these discussions to be as much of a two-way street, as much of a mutually beneficial exchange as possible. And that's much more likely to happen if you are putting them first as opposed to putting yourself first, which is why, so from a mindset standpoint, I would love to see people take that approach of, let's actually care about this person. But I hear what you're saying. You want to keep it on topic. Let's keep it professional and go from there. You know, and I like about, because I agree with you. So you want to show how you could add value to that person. So I wonder if you're let's say in, in, you know, a senior, junior, you're kind of in that pathway. How can you help? So, I'm just thinking out loud. What can you offer that person, you know, to say, to make it mutually beneficial? So mm-hmm. it's not just, hey, can I get 15 minutes to pick your brains? Or it's more of, hey, here's what I can do. Is, is there something that a young yeah. person can bring to the table? I honestly, first of all, I think young people need to realize that, uh, if they've grown up around other adults, they probably have a larger network than, than they realize already. And so maybe they might be able to connect someone that they're interviewing in this informational way to someone that they know. Maybe they have a parent or an uncle or an aunt or someone out there who has been in a, in a role or is in a role that is of interest to the person. There's, there's a lot of different ways that you can bring value to the table. It doesn't just have to be you. Maybe you could be volunteering a little bit of your time. I, I know a good coaching friend of mine uh, has basically exchanged some advice, some coaching services in exchange for some help uh, that young person gave them with their business, for example. So there's a lot of different ways and it depends on how committed you want to be to giving back. 
but I really do think that there is a way to make it a mutually beneficial exchange. Is this naive to say if, let's say, somebody wants to reach out to, um, let's say they're a web designer, just mm -hmm. to reach out to the target companies they're interested in, and then say to the person, hey, um, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to work at your company. I understand you're busy. Um, however, I could put together kind of a, I see your, you just launched this new product. I could put together a website and show you what it would look like. And I could show you my, you know, a portfolio of what I'm capable of. So then the other person might say, huh, sh sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't, I can't guarantee you I'm going to give you a job for that, but let's see. So that could be value where then they, let's say they're really good at what they do and show it to you as you're the manager. You look and go, wow, this person's really talented. Let's, let's have a, yeah, let's have a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Is, is that a thing you think? Does that? That is a thing. And I would say that's pretty close to what Austin Belsack would call a value validation project mm -hmm. where you're going to present something that could be useful to a potential employer. It's evidence of what you can do. It's evidence of how you can address uh, a company need. And even if the company doesn't necessarily accept it all the way and hire you, you've developed something that you can put in front of other employers. So you, he would say that you've kind of templatized this, this thing, this little evidence of your value that you can then go around and you can say, Hey, uh, if employer a doesn't like this, then employer B, maybe let me try over there and see. Um, but it's absolutely, it's a great approach for something that is so uh, tangible and visual and that you can really put in front of people like that. Do you really need somebody? I mean, this would be helpful if there's, uh, you're in a field that you can give something tangible, right? Where, where you could show some sort of product mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. the person could say, wow, this is, this is fantastic. I saw on LinkedIn this morning, a woman posted, uh, she wanted to work at, uh, at Spotify, but I think she's been out of the work, you know, in the workforce a little bit. And her resume template looked, it just looked like Spotify. You know what I mean? It had the whole... Mm -hmm the color scheme and whatever. And I thought, wow, that's really creative. So you're not giving value, like making a website for them, but you're showing, hey, I'm taking the time to give a resume that kind of is customized. It looks like Spotify, like it would belong there. And that kind of catch your attention. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, employers want to feel like the people who are applying really do care. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people who applied online for a job and it's just, it's just one of dozens or hundreds of other applications, the, the actual, you know, draw to that company for the, the applicant is not that high. So if you're doing something that goes the extra mile that shows that you're really attuned to this particular company, then yeah, it should catch their attention. Um, just to add on actually to the point around, so you might be, you might not be a web developer, maybe you don't have a portfolio or a website that you could put in front of someone, maybe though you can do market research or, you could strategize how do you penetrate this new market in terms of a sales approach. And just maybe you have a little bit more of a, uh, experience or exposure to a local market and you can bring that to the table of the employer. Hey, that might catch their attention. That's a really good idea. So that you can maybe think about what, what field you're in, what you do and find a way to say, Hey, here's how I could help you. Here's how I could offer some value so that you catch the attention. And I would bet you a lot of people, I wonder how you feel about it, but I would probably even say, hey, you know what, Mike, thanks. You don't have to bother putting together that whole thing, but you know what? I really appreciate you offering. Let's talk. So I wouldn't even, you know what I mean? I would say, don't worry about it. I would just, I would like the fact that someone thought of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they thought enough that, hey, I'm going to do some work for free because that's how motivated I am. 
And, and that would cut through, like you said, there's so many resumes that come in that do they really care? You don't know. And you can tell that person cares. So, exactly. so, so to move ahead a little bit. So now let's say for the people who are out of school for a while, what suggestions do you have in that market? Either if they still haven't found a job mm-hmm. or they're knocking their head against the wall, they're stuck. Do you suggest maybe going to back to school, go to law school for an MBA if things aren't working out well, taking a gig economy job, taking a contract job? What, what advice do you have like once for the people who are kind of in it for a while? Yeah, I, I would say if you if you have some experience at this point, it's now maybe time to check in and see before you make another move. What have you done so far that you liked? What did you not like so much about it? What if you were to sort of make a small tweak would make all of the difference? Is there something like that? Because you might be able to avoid doing something as drastic as going back to school, starting all over again, et cetera. So can we look for something that maybe is adjacent to what I'm doing now? Or uh, I went through school and I graduated and I did something and it turned out that this isn't really what I thought it would be and I want to make a change. Well, use the data that you have so far under your belt to make a more informed decision. Sometimes the answer is like, yeah, let's blow it up and go back to school and start again. But that there's a pretty big opportunity cost to that, as yeah. you know. And so is it is it more feasible to maybe take an internship and gradually work my way into a new industry by that method, I've seen people do that. I, I'm thinking of one person that left, that entered the world of finance and, and oil futures trading just by being an intern on, on a trading floor, uh, leaving where he was before. I don't exactly remember where it was, but it definitely wasn't in finance. So those kinds of things, think a little bit creatively and don't necessarily make a big jump when you could maybe make a smaller jump and get just as far. So so you say, kind of, kind of keep an open mind that... Mm-hmm maybe trying to internship, maybe some sort of gig role, something that if you're, you're struggling to get into the space you want to go into, and you can't get that, you know, full-time permanent role you want to just somehow get, 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 somehow get just in that whole space to get started. Mm-hmm. And maybe you might have to put your ego aside because it's tough. You know what I mean? You spend four years working hard, you get a degree, you think, Hey, I should be doing X. And you're not there and you're taking a lower role, but I guess that's part of, Part of being in a pandemic where things are really rough, right? So you get yeah. kind of gig role, um, contract work, whatever it may be, a co-op, something that at least you can kind of somehow get get your foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, and and try it. And if it's yeah, if it's a three month, four month, six month thing, you get a chance at the end of that or throughout it to see is this really what I want to be doing? Maybe it's not. If you go back to school and you do another three or four years of schooling. And then you go back out into the job market and you land something and you find out, oh, this isn't what I want either. Well, ee, eh, it's a it's tough another way. Because I've, I've seen this after 9-11 here in the, in the States, um, after the financial crisis, and I, I hear it's happening now too, that after you have these uh, disruptions in the economy, that oftentimes people go back to school because it's like, hey, I did no jobs. But you're right. You go like, for an MBA, for a law degree, for what have you, now you're taking two, three more years or more, spending a lot more money, and then there's no guarantee after you're done. Mm-hmm. It's, who knows what the market will be then? So it's if you're really set on something, like if, if going and being a lawyer for the rest of like yeah. your life is what you really, really want to do, and you know that you have to get a certain amount of education, you want to be a doctor, for example, it, it makes sense to sort of use this period of time 
if you can, to go and address the education concern. But if you're trying to, to make a pivot into another job that you're not too sure about, I'm much more uh, encouraging of the idea of let's experiment, let's take something a little more short term, try it out. If it doesn't work, you can always do something else. If I can go back to what you mentioned something earlier, because it's sticking with me, and this might sound politically incorrect. Uh, nepotism is really important when you're looking for a job in that when you said, yeah, when you're looking either the segment we're talking about now where you're out of the market, I mean, you're out of school for two, three, four years, mm -hmm. or, you know, you're still in school, it does make sense to tap into everybody, you know, right? Like just pull every, every string, every lever of folks who, you know, your family, your family, friends, your neighbors, people in your temple, church, mosque, whatever. Right. And just, cause that's Absolutely. kind of a natural thing to do. I get hit. Can I tell you, I get hit up all the time like that. I always have, I always bit. have parents telling their kids, you know, that, that they know what I do for a living and they know I won't be able to place them because mm -hmm. I do mid to senior level execs, but just, you know, give them some ideas, what to do, some thoughts. Yeah. And it's like a perfectly normal part of being a human. Like we, we have survived for as long as we have because of our ability to lean on one another uh, and so, yeah, there may be some times where you're you're going really hard off of a really close connection. Maybe your family company takes you on or something like that if if you're lucky enough to be in that situation. But yeah, you're like I was saying, your your network, even when you're just starting out or you're a few years into your career, your network is almost always bigger than you realize it is. And even though you may not you may not have the person directly connected to you that you need to speak with, it's very likely that you have someone who is just, one degree of separation away. Like I, I like to kind of just drop this for fun. It's a well-known name. I'm, I'm only about three degrees of separation away from Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. So it's a really small world out there. Just you have to speak to people and you'll open up some doors. All right, wait, how are you related to how you got, you got, there has to be a story behind this, but what's, what's up? Uh, how am I three degrees of separation yeah. from Nelson? <laughs> I, I never met him, but the, the short story is that Nelson Mandela, when he was in prison, there was something called the Council of Eminent People that were part of um, the efforts to lobby for sanctions on South Africa. And um, one of the gentlemen who was part of that council ended up becoming, um, was a lifelong friend and eventually became sort of the romantic partner of my grandmother after my grandfather passed away. So in their 80s, my grandmother was dating <laughs> this gentleman who had helped get Nelson Mandela out of prison. Um, and so that's, that's my connection yeah. to him. <laughs> That's so wild and random, right? Yep. That's so well, you know what? It makes sense. It's like uh, you know, what is it, six degrees, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing, where yeah, you could, you know, not as interesting as Mandela, but it's still, you know, interesting how you can kind of find someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows somebody mm -hmm. and kind of put it together for you. Totally. But, but what about this? Even for adults, right? Let's say someone is 35, 45, 55, it's so hard. Not for everybody, but I would, I would say the large percentage of people, it's really hard to do that, to reach out, because I think they're afraid that they'll get blown off, afraid that they'll, someone will say no, or, or just that uncomfortable feeling of asking for help. Mm -hmm. So if you're younger, that has to be so much harder to do. Like, What mm -hmm. kind of advice would you give where, like you'll say, okay, you know, get your network of family friends and here's what you do like what would you tell you know people in college people post-college yeah 
I think, so the flip side of asking for help is giving help. And that's maybe the thing that a lot of people forget mm -hmm. is go through and develop the habit of being aware of what it is you could do for others. So I, I know a lot of my close friends, I kind of know what they're up to professional friends. Like I know the kind of work that they do and I'm, I'm aware most of the time of when they are looking for something they'll often tell me, and I make a pretty good effort to just sort of be attuned to anything that I hear that might be appropriate for them. And, and actually just really recently, I connected someone to an opportunity where she's now taken on a two month recruitment yeah. contract, uh, just cause I heard about it. I knew she was looking for something like that and, and boom. So if you're struggling with the idea of asking for help, consider leading with an approach of seeing how you can help others, the people that you might ask for help from, well, how can you support them first? Uh, you don't always have to make it the second action. So instead of just asking for their help and then seeing, is there something that I can do to help you out in return, actually just lead, be proactive about that. It's something that uh, I know Robert Cialdini talks about in his book, Influence. If you want to sort of build these relationships where everyone's helping one another, just lead off with that, uh, that help to begin with. And it often reciprocates. I hear that and I agree with it. But then oftentimes what happens is this. So let's take a real life thing. You know, maybe there's a distant uncle mm -hmm. who is a big shot, you know, an XYZ widget company international. You really don't, you might not have much value. I know we talked before about like some of the things you're going to do, but chances are, you know, you may not have that much. Do you, do you think maybe it's just a direct, hey, uncle, we don't really know each other that well, but can I get a job at your, is it maybe just you just be, you know, bold and direct and just say, here's what I want to do. Can you help me? Can you make this happen? I mean, I'm sure it has happened. I'm sure that has worked and I'm, it's not really my natural way of advising people, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure if well, you're desperate just, you know, enough. It's hard. It's hard for some instances. Like I know we talked about like putting a website together, give that, but in some instances, there's not much value you can give somebody mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And you really are on, you really just need that help. You need that favor. So, um, yeah, cause I hear what you're saying that works sometimes, but I think a lot mm -hmm. of it is like, okay, you got to go cold. And then there's a lot of people who don't have that sprawling network and a lot of connections. So you just gotta, uh, I guess I'll ask my own question. I guess what you got to do is just suck it up, be brave. It's going to be scary and just, just go for it and just go for it. And then especially, you know what it is? I think if you have the passion and you really want to do whatever that is in your career, let's say you want to go into journalism and you, you just want to do that, then you know what? Hey, you look at the New York Times, Washington Post, wherever else, and you just go and ask, hey, how do I get in here? What do I do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and just try. Yeah. Um, now, it's interesting. For those, you could probably do some writing and send it over. And so you could add some value. Say, hey, I could be a, you know, you know, you're a little reporter out there trying to do stuff. But maybe that's also part of it is to to have that thick skin and just go after what you want. Definitely. It definitely can work. And I can, I can share with you a story of a friend of mine who uh, coaches professional football here in Canada. He was my roommate actually about seven or eight years ago, just across the hallway. And he wanted to get in on the ground floor of an expansion professional football team here in Canada. It was in Ottawa at the time. Uh, he was an Ottawa native. And he basically went over with his CV to their, um, they didn't even have offices. They just had like, like some portable buildings sitting on a lot. They were still building their whole complex. That's how new this organization was. 
And he just said, Hey, this is me. This is my background. What can I do to help out? And he ended up basically volunteering uh, for two or three months as they went through their expansion draft preparation, building their team from scratch. Um, and they saw his work and they retained him after that full time. And he's gone on to become now a position coach um, at that level. So it's great. It's, it's, yeah, you're right. Sometimes, you know, luck favors the prepared and also luck favors the bold. So, uh, yeah, that may be the situation that some people find themselves in if they've been going long enough doing something that they don't want to do. Yeah, it's not easy. You know, it must be hard for him, you know, because like you're going there with a resume and maybe he wanted to be a professional football player, didn't work. So it could, you'd have that awkwardness hanging over your head like, all right, I couldn't make it, you know, to be professional, but here I still want to be involved. That has to be hard on him, you know, because you're taking a probably a hit to your ego that you're, you're not going to be on the field. You're going to be behind the scenes, but he did it. And kudos to him. That's yeah. great. That, that he, I think a lot of people wouldn't have done it, would have felt uncomfortable, you know, because then they'll say, oh, how come you didn't try to, you know, try out or get drafted and just not want to bother with that? But yeah, he, he uh, you know, good for him. He had the courage to go there and do it. It was remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. And to your point around just how uncomfortable people might feel, I think that's a green light in life. Like if you're uncomfortable with something, sure, maybe maybe you're about to run off a cliff and that's not good. We don't, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. But if you're feeling uncomfortable about something, that may be because it's just something you haven't grown into yet. Yeah. And it, it's a chance for you to evolve and take that challenge on and do it and see what happens. 99% of the time you're going to live to the next day and beyond. So it's, it's okay. I guess my point is it's okay. If it feels uncomfortable, go ahead and try it out. That's really good advice. It's sometimes when it's uncomfortable, it's kind of, you, you kind of know in your heart, you're, you want to do it. And it's uncomfortable because you're a little scared because you want to do it. And I think what happens a lot of times you scared if you do it and they say, no, you'll be shattered. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, you don't want to hear that. No. So you don't do it. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's totally. Like, and that's not only for a job search. It's like anything in life. Like you really want to do it and you're there. You're close to it. You're almost going to do it. But then you're scared. If it doesn't work, then, oh, my God, what do I do now? So you just, because I see that. It's so funny. In recruiting, a lot of it is like sales. And, I'll, you, know, and you see sometimes people, uh, I'll hear recruiters dance around and not asking for the order to get the job order or whatever it is because they don't want to get that no. And it's like, just ask. You got to ask for it because if you don't, nothing's going to happen. And the more you dance around it, the more you're going to annoy that other person. It's not going to work. So sometimes, mm -hmm. yeah, you just got to just got to do it. Um, yeah. And I wonder, do you notice, I wonder, particularly with young people, I'd, I'd imagine a challenge they have is they're afraid of failure. They're afraid of people saying no or not getting back. You know, when you get older, you realize that you get rejected a whole lot. You fail a whole lot. You screw up a whole lot. And that comes with the territory and that's just what mm -hmm. it is. But when you're younger and you're raised to be, you know, there's certain generations that are raised more of like, you know, everyone gets a trophy kind of thing. So you're used to winning, you're used to, okay, and you're great, you're wonderful. And then when you get a no, it's so easy to just fall apart. So I don't know if you speak to young people about telling them like, hey, you're going to meet with rejection, rudeness, jerks. Uh, you're going to get ghosted, but you got to keep persevering. Does that come up when you deal with people like to? to Absolutely. Yeah. Like what's your mindset around failure? Do you yeah. see it as this catastrophic permanent thing 
or do you see it as this temporary learning experience that you can tap into that makes you better for the next time that you're in a similar situation? So yeah, I, and, and it is tough because we're very much conditioned through our schooling, you know, getting an F is bad. I have to retake a course or I'm set back on my academic schedule. It's the end of the world. I have to pay more money, et cetera. When in reality, the price for failure in the real world on a lot of these things, like just reaching out to someone or just taking a, taking any kind of an opportunity and, and taking a chance on it doesn't, it doesn't have any kind of long lasting effect unless we give it that energy. So yeah, like let's, let's take what, let's look back on this, you know, it's winning or learning. What have we learned from this situation so that the next time we have a better chance of winning it? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it because if, if you look at it as failure, it sounds harsh, but if you say, Hey, all right, it didn't work this time. Doesn't mean you're not a good person. Doesn't mean you don't, you don't have fantastic mm -hmm. skills. It's just at this particular time for this particular job, it, 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 it didn't come together. No, exactly. It's not a note yeah. against you. It's not a knock on you as a person. It's a knock on the fit that maybe wasn't quite right. As you said, it isn't just the timing isn't good, that you don't quite have the skills yet. You might have that pretty soon. So don't, don't stop. If you stop, then you take the loss forever. Yeah. That's really good advice. And Mike, you do your, you know, at the college you're at where you advise people, it's, it's very, a little different in the sense that it's focused on more tech type roles, right? Mm -hmm. And then you help them find jobs afterwards. Can, can you maybe talk a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so um, our students that are coming through, they've kind of gone through their, their coursework and to close off their studies, they have to go through about a six month long internship, which means uh, all of a sudden they have gone from, you know, showing up to class one day, having a teacher be there, taking care of them and all that, to now having the responsibility of going out and finding a job or an internship so that they can complete their studies and graduate. And that is a really big mind shift for someone who is not used to just having to create an opportunity. They all, they're always used to just signing up, showing up and everything gets taken care of uh, when they're kind of the center of attention. Now, all of a sudden it's like, uh, what do I do? And so a lot of what I'm doing is, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to promote our students and I'm trying to get them chances to speak in interviews and stuff like that. But I'm also really trying to set the the mindset of like this is this is now your game to play, and we we can coach you from the sideline, but we're not with you on the field, right? At some point, you have to make the play, um, and so that is really where a lot of my work is based. So, so you train people in different type of tech related roles, mm -hmm. and then help them get internships and or full time gigs, but then they're they're kind of on their own because you kind of gave them that training to go off and do that. And what kind of role, like, are these software designers? Are they? Yeah, it's a mix. So web developers, like full stack developers, uh, web integrators, so people who are a little bit more, you know, on the front end, what you can see on the internet is kind of in their domain. Um, people who take care of networks and servers, making sure cybersecurity uh, risks are, are mitigated. Um, project managers, people who would be eventually like a, either a scrum master or a product owner possibly. So really kind of the, the basic gamut of, of the IT world is what we train. Do you know about this area, Mike? Um, I was going to write a piece about it for Forbes because uh, they're doing a kind of a section of future of work. And I didn't know this really existed, but there's uh, these schools where uh, you could just graduate college or you could be out five, 10 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. but you 
go there and they'll show you how to, they'll teach you how to be uh, uh, in the tech space. And for some of them, it's not, you're not gonna go there and be like this hardcore software engineer right out of the gate, but usually kind of get the lower end, you know, kind of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then they have an interesting way in terms of how you pay tuition in that you could pay a certain amount or once you get that job, you give them a percentage of how much you're earning. Mm -hmm. And it lasts, you know, and it's not horrible, but it's, I want to say maybe 10, 15% over okay. like the next year. Are you familiar with that? Have you heard, you, know, I, you run into that at all? Or? I haven't heard of that pricing model a whole yeah. lot. It's certainly not ours. It's something that I am seeing, um, even I'm even considering a pricing model like that for the future of, you know, if someone's going from no job to some job, if you don't have a lot of money right now, and if you're a student who is making that midlife transition and you don't have the ability yeah. to spend whatever it is to go through your intensive education to switch yeah. fields, yeah, it makes sense to, to have that payment come out on the back end. I think it, it's, it sort of incentivizes the school, right, as well to really make sure that you're giving a great training that makes your students highly competitive candidates as they come out and then support them because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to get paid. So I actually think that model is, it's pretty good. It's value-based. The better the student is, the better of a candidate they are, the more they can earn as they come out. And that ultimately pays back into the school as well. Yeah, there's, I think it's Lambda School. Then there's like, I'm spacing out the other one that I was, I was speaking with. And yeah, because it, it seems it's aligned. So you don't feel, okay, I'm gonna lay out tuition again. And again, this is for people who are not necessarily just right out of school, it could be, you know, You've been doing something for 10 years, as you mentioned earlier, let's say you're in the hospitality space and there's, it's really not, hasn't been doing well. And you're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I should just retool so that the interests are aligned. So the school feels, hey, I'm not going to get paid back by Jack if he can't get a job, mm -hmm. you know, doing some kind of tech work. So I got to make sure Jack knows the stuff so he can get a job so we can get paid. And totally. then for me, if I was going to do that, then I know, all right, I don't have to shell out a whole lot of money and then I don't get a job and it stinks. So it's almost like you both have to work together so that the school can ultimately get paid. And yeah, you're paying a little chunk, but it's, it's, I think they try to, it's become more common. So there's more regulation on it. So you can't mm -hmm. get really kind of, there might be some shady places to do this, but you can't really get skunked over because now it's kind of being regulated, but it's an interesting model to help people. Because I think for people who are in, in industries that are just hitting brick walls because of the mm -hmm. pandemic, um, you can kind of upskill yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I we could probably go down a pretty big rabbit hole uh, for another hour on just the idea of kind of value based pricing and mm -hmm. how I would love to see in the future of work people not compensated based on a trade off of time for money, but for like what is the material benefit of what you're doing to help the world become a better place, even if it's just in one small tiny little way. I want to see people make their livings off of that model because I think it'll be healthier for everybody. So it's all about, I, I, you're not going to be, I'm looking like, it's like an hour that just went by. So, so let me, because I don't want to take too much of your time. About, are there any questions or anything I didn't ask that you would feel and to both the young people who are kind of getting close to graduating or, you know, soon will be a senior and those out of work for a while that you say, Hey, here's the Jack, didn't ask me these things, but here's what I think you should know. Yeah. So I, I think the thing that a lot of people, if they're just getting started out is they should know is, is how are they starting to, how are they packaging themselves up? How is the world seeing them? Mm 
that's the real, like if you've been in the driver's seat of your academic career, it's been all about you up until now. And all of a sudden you're going into the world and, you know, cool. You might have a really neat degree and you did something really interesting, but you need to translate that into how you can help a company solve uh, an explicit or maybe still undiscovered problem. Maybe you can find the problem for them and solve it. That's even better. Um, so how do you go from uh, thinking about yourself being kind of at the self-centered the center of your world to putting other people now in the center of what you're doing? And the more that you do that, the more you'll be likely to research new people and new places, the more empathy you're going to have for the situation uh, that, that they're in. And I really don't think that people want to be impressed as much as they want to be understood. Mm-hmm. And so the better you become at understanding people, uh, you're really good at this, right, Jack? You just, you ask tons of great questions. We've, we've always had a conversation where it's just a really natural, curious back and forth. I think that is an incredibly invaluable skill set to develop. It's a soft skill set. Anyone can do it. Uh, it. It takes time and it takes practice, but start to be curious from understand what other people are going through, see how they are seeing you, see how you can help them. And over time that, that adds into opportunities, right? Different from different places. Um, and then, yeah, being, knowing yourself enough to say, this is what I, I enjoy doing. This is what I'm good at doing and, and not being afraid to actually put that out into the world. A lot of people think I don't want to brag. I don't want to come off as arrogant. There's a really big difference between stating who you are just with simple, confident words um, versus an attitude of, I, I know it all. I figured it all out. I'm, you know, I'm only 20 years old, but somehow I, there's a very different way of going about this attitudinally. And I think it takes some of that humility and that empathy, that if you're grounded in those qualities, as you go out and you look for work, it will a <laughs> be a much more fruitful dog search experience, but I think it can also be something that's really fulfilling and potentially even fun as you go out and you build connections that could benefit you and the person you're with for a really long time. That's really smart advice, you know, because it's really interesting because what you're saying is you're going from, Hey, I'm the student. I went to a, you know, top tier university, you know, I get great grades, all that kind of stuff. But now you got to shift. It's, it's, you need more than just to say, Hey, look how smart I am. You have to really be able to sell yourself, market yourself, work well with other people, understand what's important to other people and really kind of do a shift, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in terms of kind of saying, okay, now this is all different. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta change how I am. I can't just say, oh, here I am. Here's my degree. Hire me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're part of a, something that's bigger than yourself and there's a place for you in that thing that's bigger than you, that you should, you should take that place and you should be solid and confident in it but realize that all around you are the keys to your success. All of those other people, all of those other problems that you can help solve. So get into those because that's how you become a really compelling candidate. That's great. That's great advice. So I really appreciate Mike. You, you, you know, I think as a parent who, as I mentioned, I, I figure I always like to be transparent. So you know, I, I definitely wanted to speak with you about it, but I, I want to be honest that, Hey, I have an ulterior motive in mm. terms of kind of learning this because I, you know, I'm not a helicopter parent, but at the same time, you know, you want to give the best guidance you can. And I think other parents are thinking the same thing I am. So they're going to want to watch and listen and figure out, you know, all right, what do we need to know? And, and that's what you probably get a lot of calls, perhaps, and emails. So 
where can people reach you who want to say, ask you directly, all right, what do I do, Mike? How do I help guide them or have my kid get up to a hold of you to give you some career coaching? So sure. What's the best yeah. way to reach you? So my business is called Coach Wazo Career Coaching. Wazo is the French word for Berg, my last name. So that's C-O-A-C-H-O-I-S-E-A-U.com. And you can reach me pretty easily through the site. My email address is just mike at coachwazo.com. And I'm always happy to have a conversation with someone, especially coming off of something like this. It's, it's nice to hear feedback or how I can maybe answer another question that's out there. Uh, love, love just in, engaging with people who, whether they're the student themselves, you're coming out of school now, or you're a parent and you have someone who is, is graduating soon. I'd love to hear from you. And then you would sit down or I guess, not in person, but now over Zoom or what have you, and just work with the person, kind of the mm -hmm. same way you or I were talking, but tailor it to that particular person, you know, whether they're, you know, just getting out of school, still in school, a few years out to just walk it through and help out all those things we talked about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Starts with a conversation so to understand where they are, for sure. I think it's so important, Mike, you know, seriously, you gotta, I, I wonder how you can really scale what you're doing up because like I said, at the beginning of the conversation, I, I was really shocked at the lack of how all these top universities really don't spend enough time on, on mm -hmm. giving them the basics. I think to what you just said right before this, you have to kind of know how to transition. Now it's different. It's, and I think a lot of these universities, old school, thinking, okay, you graduated. And just because you graduated from this place, you're going to get a job. It's not, does it happen a lot? Sure. But it's not as easy as it used to be. No, and it's not, I have a number of friends and colleagues who work in university settings, work in schools, kind of like me. And I, I realize that there's a the shortcoming in the yeah. system is that there's just not enough of them to be able to service all of the people that need the help. And it's developing a human being. It's tough work, Jack. It's, it's not yeah. something that you do with, you know, five minutes here or 10 minutes there. It's a long process. Um, so I don't fault those, those folks who are doing great work. But yeah, for, for people who want to take action and, and move a little bit faster. That's one of the reasons I came into the space. That's great. I, I think you're in a great space and I think you, you, you help a lot of people and it's much needed. And I think especially what we're going through now, people need that advice and coaching and guidance more than ever because mm -hmm. for a lot of people it's frightening and you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you need that person to kind of say, okay, I, <laughs> here's what you do. Here's the game plan. Here's how we're going to map it out. Here's how we can help, you know? And you need somebody who's been there, done that. So I think, I think, you know, you're a great guy. You're in the right place at the right time. And, and um, I'm really happy we spoke because uh, you gave some, I, I was taking notes. You gave a lot of great information. And I think a lot of people would benefit from it. So uh, definitely check out Mike, check out his site. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Jack. It's oh. a pleasure. We look forward to having you. Uh, we'll release the episode that we recorded with you on the Career Builders podcast in a couple of weeks. So we'll be bringing even more great advice to the table at that point. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Take care, Jack. Bye for now. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R. Io. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.